Welcome to the new normal from Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. Today's guest is John Petroselli, founder and CEO of Bulldog Digital Media. John has been at the forefront of streaming video for nearly two decades, helping companies like the NBA, the NHL, NBC, Disney, YouTube, Google, and many others distribute and monetize their content. John helped music icon Prince launch online properties that won the Billboard Award for Best Use of Technology by an Artist and a Webby Lifetime Achievement Award. John took some time to educate me on the evolving business of live streaming in the COVID era. I hope you enjoy our talk. Tell me what you do uh, more generally at, at Bulldog and then maybe um, seg that into how your work reality's changed and how your company's reality has changed. So Bulldog is a live streaming company focused largely on premium content experiences with a deep and very heavy emphasis on music. And we really look to bring best practices to the overall market to lift the experience for all the stakeholders, which could range from an artist, a promoter, uh, a brand or an agency, or even uh, a platform where you would enjoy this type of content. And you know, we've been at this a, a very long time. I've found, ironically, I've had a 20-year career in live streaming. And only recently it's become you know, a, a hot topic, especially in the last three years. But now in pandemic time, it's front and center almost across all media in general, but particularly music, given you know, artists are confined to their homes and there's predictions of you know, no touring or concerts for the balance of the year. So the, my business has, we've lost things like we were going to live stream the Masters or the uh, kickoff concert for the Final Four and a few other things. Obviously, those projects went away, but the virtual idea of, 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 of enjoying live content has just exploded. So we as a, a live streaming company, we've always had virtual capabilities, meaning we could supply uh, equipment and kits to the creators no matter where they were. But we've really gravitated towards that. So we've built a, a suite of services to help lift the quality of the experience, uh, audio, video, lighting, encoding, everything, and kind of elevate the market, given it looks like we're going to be functioning in this world for you know, quite some time. Yeah. It's, it's always been interesting to me that, um, that live streaming, uh, it seemed like it, it, it would bubble up, but it never broke out of kind of that promotional realm of, you know, early on, it was an artist would, to do something forward looking, they'd do a webcast of a show of like opening night of the tour or of a production rehearsal or the last night of a tour. Outside of very specific use cases, it seems like it never really mainstreamed and I could never really figure that out. Um, what, do you have any perspective on, on, on why that was? Yeah, you've definitely nailed it in assessing the state of the, of the industry. I have a couple different theories on it. You know, one, uh, the live streaming technology community just doesn't do a very good job of explaining the business of live streaming to the general business community. And I'm referring to the music industry as well as the advertising industry. There's this big heavy emphasis on things like encoding algorithms and what devices you're processing the video on. I've been doing this for two decades. No one had, a client has ever asked me, hey, what kind of encoder are you using? So there's a definite disconnect there. I think um, 
you know, as the world has become more of an experience economy, especially driven by the younger demographics, these are people that would rather be at shows. It's a big priority for them than buying a house or a watch or a car. So almost by default, it started to kind of creep into the norm. And, you know, what I've endeavored to do is, you know, I previously had run a live streaming company that I sold into AEG. And I kind of learned the challenges of a music promoter. Right? They're so busy and they're focused on booking bands and selling tickets and on-premise sponsorship. They can't really wrap their heads around and, and they shouldn't, you know, the, the mechanism of, of live streaming. And artists have the same, you know, the same challenges in their business. So I, it kind of dawned on me that there's a big opportunity for Madison Ave to engage consumers through this medium. And I've spent three or four years educating evangelists and taking meetings and talking to them about their three big problems, ad blocking, brand safety, and cord cutting. And live music streamed properly and at a quality level addresses all three of those challenges like no other. And if it's done right, the audience tunes in for big segments and chunks of time that are unattainable in almost any other form of industry. So I've looked to kind of move the, the industry forward, working with brands to power these experiences, to relieve the burden of the promoters and the bands having to buy the, you know, the video production equipment or the technology and make it a win-win, right? So the, the brands get a big lift and a big benefit. They're connecting authentically around, I've seen, you know, probably seen data that uh, millennials and Gen Z music is, 89% of their number one priority uh, in, in life. And here's a great way to capitalize on it. So what, what's happened in the last three years is all the social platforms have really optimized for live video. And now obviously in a pandemic, it's completely changed the conversation to being you know, front and center everywhere. But you're right, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting you know, ride that's had, um, it's almost been this kind of cult <laughs> solution that's never really, uh, Got on with, uh, caught on with great strength, but I think now that's about to change pretty substantially. So there's a lot that you give me there to um, to explore, but I, I wonder how how then in that reality did you build one or more like sort of scalable, sustainable businesses? What what was your business model? You know, in a reality where um, sort of the product itself wasn't mainstreamed, how do you work? You know, it was uh, historically it's been you got to find the right opportunities to pull this off and do this. And, you know, back when it first got into this, you know, it was tentpole things like a farm aid concert that really wanted to have a bigger outreach uh, or even getting into the early days of live streaming music festivals. So it was, it was that kind of thinking and that kind of process. I kind of got into this business. I got into, I was back in the, in the days of the format wars where it was real versus Windows Media and QuickTime. I was in the CDN in the delivery of those files. You know, my clients were the NHL, EMI, Universal. Back then it was streaming things like, you know, music videos were a big thing to stream back in the early, even downloading. And I got a call from Apple that said, hey, we're working with an artist that wants to go and do this themselves. Would you mind, you know, having a conversation with his team? I said, sure. And it turned out it was Prince. And I quickly learned that he is a very savvy guy. He had a very small um, business, you know, not a lot of employees, and he made most of the decisions himself. But back then, it took a while to explain things like encryption and DRM. I mean, it was a brutal, brutal business then to do that. But I took a, uh, a file of Purple Rain, and I had an engineer encrypt it, and I sent it back to his team. 
And it said, when you went to play the file, you got to be authorized. You have to pay 99 cents. We have to go through some mechanism of authorization to enjoy this song. And I got this email back in the middle of the night that said, Prince says in quotes, this is exactly what I want to do. You know, I, E-Y-E, and, you know, two to the number two. And I, within a matter of uh, months, struck a deal with him. I built his music store, and he filled it with video, audio, full records, EPs. And then he came back and said, I'm about to go on a giant tour, and I want to build a ticketing platform. So I'm going to go book my tour with AEG, but every one of those dates on the tour, I want to sell 3,000 tickets to through my fan club. So I had to build the ticketing platform that allowed for that type of, and this is a massive, I think it was like 69 days, the biggest tour, in, I think it's 2004 in North America. But I bring that up because I got to see him perform numerous times and probably the world's greatest live performer. And this is back more with smartphones had not become what they are today. And I was in these experiences, and it could have been the Staples Center, but it also could have been his living room at a party with, you know, a bunch of famous musicians. I'm like, wow, I'd love to share this experience with my friends, you know, all over the world, or, or just pieces of it. And, you know, Prince pushed a lot of boundaries with technology as well. And I thought, hey, there's got to be a day, there's going to be a time where we can do this. We can have collaborative participatory broadcasts. And I was on, I've been advising a live streaming company, and I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to, and they wanted me to be the CEO. So I decided to join the company. I stopped whatever I was doing in, in the CDN business. And in three months, AEG bought that company and I began working inside of AEG, who's you know a big live, big live DNA throughout the business. And just prior to the acquisition and through it, I had gone to YouTube and said, you should be contemplating live experiences. One is a way to drive a highly engaged audience and two, expose the audience to all the assets that live on the YouTube platform post event. And we had this proof of concept the Planets Aligned, Alicia Keys did a show at an AEG venue in Times Square, streamed on YouTube and brought to the viewer by American Express. And we produced, executed, back then YouTube was purely VOD. And they came back to me and said, you know, you were right. We had a very happy artist, thrilled audience and a super happy brand. We want to get into this business, but today we're an on-demand company. So for three or four years, we powered everything on YouTube. Coachella, Bonnaroo, Rock and Rio, Lollapalooza, Austin City Limits, product launches, movie premieres, the first royal wedding. And that business, that, so that process of working with Prince, being inside of AEG, and working with YouTube, it dawned on me the world was headed towards this experience economy. So I spun out of AEG and I formed this business. And uh, I've uh, kind of gone down the road of this should always be the closest thing to being in the room with the artist whether that's a studio a club a shed an amphitheater or a stadium let's make it the next best thing we possibly can do and again i've, all, I've, I've tried to leverage brand partners to do that or platform partners to finance it and bring it to life but taking that approach has kind of resonated it's been successful and this is true of other forms of live video as well and that's kind of how i've kind of navigated the market and kind of got to the you know I've, you know i've learned a lot along the way too you know you're a person like Prince or, you know, the you know, YouTube, they'll give you great feedback. And so will the audience. Like the digital audience will tell you, I like this. I don't like that. I want to see this. I don't want to see that. So it's been a, a lot of learn. You know, I've learned what not to do as well. So it's kind of been that kind of journey, I think is the best way to describe it. So you talked about um, creating the experience and sort of the next best thing to being there. What goes into what, what boxes do you need to check to um, accomplish that? Uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that we refer to as best practices. So first and foremost, 
we've learned that the live video player is different than a VOD player. It has to load on a device in the first four seconds or we lose 20% of the audience. They're just not gonna wait through that process. Second is the quality of the video production. Uh, you know, just putting up a phone or a webcam or you know, low uh, bit rate, uh, static video does not really resonate with a consumer. And then, you know, a couple other things my team pioneered in the multi-channel experience, I think going back to Live Earth, where you could switch stages or camera perspectives. Yeah. Now you allow the viewer to curate their experience. They really gravitate towards that. And then really importantly, and doing a lot of business on YouTube, I realized you know, people want to post, comment, share, and tweet about what they're watching. And you need to give them that ability to do that. But also notice that a lot of times that social stream is offensive, it's off topic, it's not related to what they're watching. So we started to build tools that would aggregate the conversation, but more importantly, curate it. And I say, you know, curate meaning it's not hyper scroll like you see on a Call of Duty gaming platform. I think music is very different. It needs to be enjoyed. And so the so short, the answer there is the social stream, when it's related to the video, people rather than pull away, they tend to lean in, they tend to watch longer and they share it out. And then we learned other things too, you know, the goal being, how do we transform the viewer into a participant? And that's really the key. So other things we can turn on are things like a, a, a polling widget or a trivia widget, help the band pick the encore, or, you know, what, what, what's, the, what, what's your favorite record of their collection? And now they're completely engaged. And we turn these things on, the watch times really accelerate. You know, we did uh, the American Express on stage series you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And the average watch time was 25 minutes. And for Amex, that was just mind blowing. And I've done you know, music festivals with Coca-Cola where the average watch time using these tools was 29 minutes on mobile and 113 minutes on desktop. And so this is good for both the brands, but as well as, as the artists and the, and the bands performing. So that's been, you know, I think a major differentiator. And I've learned if you're just going to put the video up and it becomes surveillance video, especially in music, you'll get people to come and check it out, but they're not going to stick around. They're not going to share it out. They're probably not going to come back. So, you know, doing it the right way out of the gates is a, is a key thing to do, especially with music. In an arena show or even a festival show, um, are you using the same camera feeds that are already there for like the screens and for... Uh, are you bringing your own production or is it just leveraging those feeds? Back uh, when we first started doing this, we would bring the full turnkey solution. So the promoter would benefit by having now uh, the iMag you know, video workflow included in the webcast uh, engagement experience. As we progress, we realize now that screens are pretty powerful at, at festivals of all sizes. So it's more scalable. You know, the big challenge here is the video cost. That's the, you know, if you're going to do something like Bonnaroo, it's, three state you know three days and it's 13 stages of content it's a lot of money to execute an experience at that level so today we kind of recommend let's start with the base video that the promoters have and then we'll layer into it to create a run a show and a broadcast because you know when the screen the band finishes the screen is dark you know that's not going to be conducive to a broadcast you're watching on a connected device so we'll try to build in a, a way to have a run of show we're not going to go to uh, a second stage or you know, uh, fill, fill in so we don't have that, those gaps. And it also lends itself more to when we layer in a, a more polished program of content as well. So it tends to live in kind of both of those worlds. We try to leverage the video that's existing so we can scale and do more content. 
And if, you know, if not, then we can bring a team in to, to execute. And so, and that's, I mean, I, I, sorry to nerd out on this topic, but I find well, it fascinating, the process part of it. So um, just to use your Bonnaroo example, you're pulling the, you're encoding the feed that is for the most part, what, what the audience is seeing on the screens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're augmenting that with either a host or like you said, some other type of content so that in between songs or when the bands are off stage, you're not just sitting there staring at a blank screen. So you're adding some, some original content production. Is that, um, is there a truck on site? Do you have a production office? Is that all done remotely? Like how do you produce the event? Uh, Typically it's a, it's a production truck. And a lot of times these bigger festivals will have these, you know, broadcast the same trucks that would pull up to an MLB game or or the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And, it's a massive, you know, footprint. I think Coachella is now up to five live stages of content. The webcast on YouTube is, I think, it's now five channels. One of which is is a VR experience or through or a one eighty three sixty. So you could choose to watch the EDM tent or the main headline stage or what have you. Yeah, that's the beauty of a music festival. Is that uh, I'll give you an example? We've done the Viva Latino Festival in Mexico City numerous times. It's about six stages. Uh, the last time we did it was uh, 11 hours of broadcasting, Saturday and Sunday, three channels of video. So you have all kinds of options. There's probably 70 to 80 bands in that webcast. So you can toggle back and forth. And the funny thing there is we actually built a schedule widget in that offering. So you'd see this listing of all the bands that are performing, all days, all channels, all stages, and their set times. And you could go into that dynamic widget and say, hey, I'm Lawrence. I'm a fan of G-Eazy, Jake Bug. Profits of Rage, and you'd enter in your mobile number, and Coke would send you a push notification and say, hey, Lawrence, you, you indicated you're a fan of Profits of Rage. They're about to go on on Channel 2 in five minutes. And by the way, here's a link to the video and enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. So there's great ways when you get into that type of an offering. Now these view- the viewers are completely engaged in the experience. And to your point, they might not be interested in that hip-hop artist. They're more of a, of a pop fan. They want to go see uh, Ariana Grande. So you have that, and that's the beauty of a festival. And then the festivals that are genre specific, you've got an audience that can still, you know, toggle and go between, you know, the different artists they're offering. That's great. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what have the last six weeks <laughs> meant for you? You know, I, I'm curious as to how your business has been impacted, but also what are some of the creative opportunities that have come of it? So we uh, headed into March. We powered the uh, Spotify's first live stream, which was the Spotify Awards. So we went down to Mexico City okay. and created this really compelling experience. We built a, a video player that was embedded at SpotifyAwards.com. Um, became a, a you know a huge lineup. Uh, Spotify was very savvy. Mexico City is the number one uh, install base of users in the world for them. Uh, rabid fan base, especially, you know, watching or listening on, on mobile devices. So we powered that experience. Uh, it was broadcast in Latin America on Turner and Telemundo in North America. So you had to be a Spotify premium user in those two regions. So there's some gating you know, or validation. Rest of the world, you could watch the show, the green carpet and the broadcast. So we also extended the first or the last five minutes of the green carpet to Instagram Facebook and Twitter in the first five minutes of the actual award show. And when that concluded, the viewers on social were directed to spotifyawards.com and you could uh, go and get a, a, a free 30 day trial to watch the show as well. We came back um, and we worked with Hyundai, who's a big client of ours, 
who had decided to do a global reveal of their 2021 Elantra, which is the top selling Hyundai vehicle of all time. And they were going to do this on a soundstage in LA with an audience of 300, you know, VIPs, enthusiasts, automotive press. And as we were kind of getting into shelter in place regulations, they decided to make it just a purely virtual experience. So we took that about a 42 minute compelling walkthrough of the vehicle, had a lot of theatrics and celebrities and executives and distributed that across Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, I'm sorry, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then embedded it on Hyundai. And the, the player could detect where people were coming from and it would serve captions in Mandarin, uh, English, and Spanish. And then quickly the world kind of stops. So we um, looked at the music business and thought there are some really amazing things happening with artists in their living rooms. But sometimes the video quality is not that terrific. The audio could be lacking. You'd see kind of drops. They weren't lit properly as well. And no fault to them. I mean, they're stuck. You know, they're usually performing on a stage. Yeah, somebody's handling that for them. Correct. So we built a a live studio and a box kit that we can send to them. So the kit has a dedicated device. It could be a smartphone, an iPhone, or a Samsung S20. And that solves, I mean, half the battle because they're performing on their own phones. They're getting texts, they're getting messages. You know, they're, they're friends. Hey, I'm watching your live show. It's a distraction and it's going to affect the video. We also put a light panel in the kit so they can be properly lit. You know, they, you know, they look infinitely better than, you know, doing it in the dark. And also a professional microphone. So they have a lav or a shotgun microphone. So we're now completely elevated the experience. On the phones, we'll install a device to transmit the signal to our encoding operations. And that uses, a, it bonds between the Wi-Fi that they have as well as the cellular carrier. So it's a pretty reliable signal that we're receiving, but we're also encoding on state-of-the-art encoding equipment. It's fully redundant. And the beauty there is now they can go just, rather than go just to Facebook or just to Instagram, they can go to Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, or to a microsite, we have a, you know, we have a business where we build microsites as well, if they want to have the show embedded or simulcast on their platform. We can also manage these devices remotely if they're using the Samsung S20, which is, a, which is 4K, so it's broadcast quality, and the other side of the phone has that 8K selfie capability. So the quality is amazing. And you know, if they have uh, equipment and gear as well, we can still support that given where they are. So this is the, the video quality was so profound that we were hired by BET to shoot their COVID relief show that aired last night. So you probably said there's about 30 celebrities participating, but we sent the kits to the four hosts, Terrence J, Anthony Anderson, uh, Regina Hall, and Kelly Rowland. And I watched the show last night. It's up, it's posted now, but the, they're, you know, it's a broadcast quality um, video experience. So we've, um, been kind of inundated with requests to help. And our, our philosophy is after, you know, six weeks of this, I think both the artists and both the fans are going to want a higher level of quality. And our thinking is, let's, let's get, you know, let's build these kits where they're affordable, but we're also managing the service. We will walk them through how to set it up, how to turn the, the light fixture on, how to test. So when, by the time they go live, you eliminate, I think there was a big rap battle the other night or, uh, and his baby face and Teddy Riley, one of them had, you know, some, some technical difficulties. We want to help them get through that process. And then, and then the idea is let's think about monetization. We want to be able for brands to write checks. They like 
to be around music. They like, you know, higher quality video. And then pay-per-view, I think, is an option as well. You know, we're going to be stuck in this mold for quite some time. So that's how we've kind of built a solution. We have a, you know, remote master control. We can manage these experiences without 40 people sitting in a control room because we have shelter-in-place issues on, on our end as well. Yeah, sure. But that's been a powerful solution that's really resonated. And, you know, we kind of feel like a managed service is what people need if they're going to be operating, you know, out of their homes. That's really neat. Let me, let me ask you this. I, um, how much of an event like the Global Citizen thing last week were truly live performances or were none of them live? It would have been too unstable um, in this environment. Uh, I think Global Citizen was all pre-recorded. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they weren't cut to, to live no, but I think there have been other, I think Twitch has done a, a series of shows that are, have all, I think majority of them have been live. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, one last question about uh, sort of the way Bulldog works. You mentioned, you referred to uh, Hyundai and some other brands as your clients. So who typically engages you? It sounds like in this one scenario, a brand comes to you and you put together a content program for them, or there's also scenarios where, the producer of the content comes to you for your technical execution. Can you just talk through, like, how do you operate? What's your, what's your business? Sure. Yeah, our biggest client is, uh, is AT&T, and they're very active in the event business. So they'll go to the Final Four, for instance, and they'll do the, you know, now those sporting events are filled with music programming in several nights leading up to the show. So I think on a Thursday night, it's a big concert brought to you by Budweiser and the next night is uh, AT&T and the following night could be Samsung. AT&T is very big on live streaming. So we go with them to these engagements and we help deliver these shows and amplify them to pretty big audiences. So we deal directly primarily with them, with their marketing organization, with their um, cause organizations and social. So we've done things like uh, governor's ball. We've taken, you know, multiple we've built experiences you can watch the show on twitter where at&t you know buys media and they promote very heavily the performances we've embedded the experience at governorsball.com as well as on at&t properties with them we've also done the love loud festival in utah which mm -hmm. is dan reynolds uh lgbtq youth oriented awareness festival and powered that on a platform i think that's broadcast on their um, direct TV audience network, but it's also live streamed on Twitter. And we've done a myriad of shows for them. The uh, NBA All-Star Game has a big, you know, pre-game concert. We did Janelle Monet uh, last year's game. So that's, I think, a, a typical client that we work with who's gravitated towards the space. They see the value. They get tremendous uh, tune-in. You know, other clients, you know, Hyundai is, um, you know, more focused now on their automotive business, but they realize that, you know, music aligns very heavily with what they're doing. Also, the tech in the vehicle is really important to consumers. You know, Bluetooth and digital key swapping that a parent can give the, the authorize someone in their family to drive the car as well. So we've helped them share those shows out to, I would say, you know, a much bigger audience. And you know, we've worked with American Express, Justin Timberlake's record release party at the Super Bowl Minneapolis the year prior at Paisley Park. Um, you know, Amir, uh, Tiffany did a kind of re a really uh, cool re a launch of a millennial-focused jewelry line and had uh, ASAP Ferg perform in their uh, flagship store in New York. 
as it kind of, and became the surprise ambassador. So we had to create a, a you know, a stage environment above the uh, revolving door when you walk in on Fifth Avenue and did this live uh, concert on, on Facebook. Half the time though, our clients are uh, agencies that are working on behalf of brands and they're coming up with ideas or they're the, they're the experiential agency, they're heavily involved in music and they'll come to us and say, you know, we have a partnership idea we wanna bring to you. How would you recommend us ex executing it? How would you stream it? When music directly, we've also you know, worked with Kanye. We've live streamed a lot of his uh, Sunday services on his sundayservice.com website. Solange's you know, record release, again, embedded on her property. So it's, uh, it, you know, no project is identical to the next, but what is, what is consistent with us is let's do this at the right level. Let's have everything be fully redundant if there's an issue with internet failure at the, at the venue, we'll have a backup signal, whether that's satellite or fiber or, or the bonded solution I mentioned. Let's ensure that it's, again, the closest thing to being at that show. You know, you're gonna walk through the door and you're gonna enjoy it, but if you're physically not there, how, how do we replicate that in the digital realm? And uh, luckily for us, we've had a pretty good handle given our, our pedigree and our experience and how to pull that off. Great, um, thank you for sharing all that. I love your business it's just as a, a sort of student of it and uh, as somebody who did a lot of early uh, webcasting and had to, you know, I, I did an event 20 some odd years ago where we had to bring, uh, we had to schedule the ISDN to be laid in the venue because the venue couldn't support right. webcasts. So Remember all kinds of things like, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, dealing with satellite trucks and all kinds of things that, you know, as, as a company that was running artist websites, we found ourselves laying fiber in, <laughs> in parking lots. Yeah. And things like that. So um, really incredible to watch this space. And, uh, it's actually fun to see it have its time and have its moment. And uh, I, it sounds like a lot of the things you're working on, um, while they are timely, um, they're going to sustain. So it's great to see the, uh, these things finally occurred. Yeah, I really I remember those days. You know, they were... Uh, you know, kind of painful going through those. What's the what's the connectivity of the venue? And you know, kind of the way we got into business with AEG is they were building out the LA Live complex, and we were consulting and advising them on how to build infrastructure where you could be broadcasting from. You know, there's the Staples Center, the Nokia Theater. Uh, there's a, a Target Terrace. There's a Grammy Museum that has a theater inside of it, the Conga Room, and we were advising them on, hey, make sure you have panels that you can plug cameras into. And they were like, hmm, this is an interesting approach to this business. And that's when they just decided we're gonna make an offer to buy this business and make it a part of what we're doing. So, but I do remember the, the, the connectivity and the ISDN lines and the satellite trucks. You know, luckily now most venues are, are wired. When uh, we know, we typically, you could you name a venue somewhere in the country, and we've probably done something there. So we'll know it's either got terrific bandwidth, it's got mediocre, or we need to bring in something to, to supply, you know, make it work. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck in the coming weeks and months. Uh, look forward to being a spectator to see how things uh, unfold for you. And uh, I hope uh, you and your family and everybody around you stays safe and healthy. Hey, Lawrence, thanks so much. I appreciate the conversation and, and same for you too. I hope everything uh, continues to be healthy and, and healthy. Thank you. Thank you so much to John Petroselli and everyone at Bulldog. Thank you to our editor, Craig Snyder, and thank you to Ant Taylor and the gang at Light. What's your new normal like? 
let me know at lawrence at light.com. That's L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E at L-Y-T-E dot com. I enjoy hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening and stay safe.